And in the King James, he says these words. Peace, be still. And the winds stopped and it became calm. And I wrote in my journal entry that day, you would have to conclude that God was in control of the situation. And Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Since reading that passage of scripture, I have added to my morning devotional playlist Lauren Daigle's song, Peace Be Still. How many know it? Google it, listen to it. It's a song that I listen to every morning along with Brooke Frazier, what a beautiful name, and um, uh, DeMarco, Kristen DeMarco, It Is Well With My Soul. Those three songs I listen to every morning. So I have a question for you this morning. How would you describe 2020 so far in just one word? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, that question was asked online. Here are some of the top answers. Unprecedented. That's a, that's a good answer. Unprecedented. In, in my lifetime, have I never lived in a, a time like this? The next one I was debating whether I should show or not, and I don't think it's a bad word, hellish. That's just being brutally honest. Since, since March, it's been hellish. It's been, it's, it's been difficult. Another word popular was apocalyptic. When you think that in the middle of March, basically most of America shut down. The streets of New York City were reminiscent of a ghost town. Stores closed, subways empty. For goodness sakes, we couldn't even buy toilet paper. But my favorite answer, and this is what I love. Every day is an education. I never even knew this word existed. It's a British slang. How many have ever heard of Omni shambles. Omni, because you're British back there, right? You, your mom must say it all the time from England. Omni shambles. Omni, the prefix, means all. Well, you know what shambles is. Just, just total chaos. Now, let me give you the definition of omni shambles. A situation, especially in politics, in which poor judgment results in disorder or chaos with potentially disastrous consequences. You can translate that any way you want. Omni shambles. We are living in an age of fear turmoil, people are tense, P 
people are uptight. For, for goodness sakes, it's hard even to have a conversation with someone without it exploding. Because everybody's so uptight, so tense. There is so much anxiety. I don't know if you know this or not. But I learned this many years ago in psychology. Most tension is the result of unresolved conflict. Does that make sense? If you're at odds with your spouse, it's usually because there's an unresolved conflict. For nine months, we've been dealing with an unresolved conflict called COVID. If you have an unresolved conflict with someone at work, it affects your job. It can affect your performance. It affects your life. And don't you just love it when someone says, for goodness sakes, just leave work at the workplace. But I don't know about you, my emotional, my emotions and my mindset are a part of me who are always with me, and it does have a way of going home. Over the past nine months, our, and, and please, can we get something clarified here? For many years, it was always the district, or it was the district office, then it became the resource center. For your knowledge now, our district office is now the network. It's a network. So when I refer to our network office, I mean our district office. And what happens is I keep referring to it as district to you, and then when I'm with the guys, I refer to district. I get corrected. No, it's network. So our network office have been giving every three weeks Zoom meetings. In fact, this Thursday, we will be on a Zoom meeting with Greg Mundus, our national missions director, who literally should be dead. But by the grace of God, is giving his testimony to us through his ordeal with COVID. I say that now. Can I mess with your theology for a moment? Just this past week. A pastor we've been praying for, Joe Antilles, passed away. And let's not even go to the fact that, well, if we had more faith, or if he had more faith, or perhaps if he had more people praying for him, like Greg Mungdus. Folks, it's appointed unto man once to die. And there's an appointment you're never too early for or never too late for. And that's your appointment with death. Because he is in control of all things. Two weeks ago, our network office decided we, need, we needed a Zoom meeting on, are you ready? Mental health. That's a good topic, mental health. And they had a counselor come in from Emerge Ministries out in Colorado. 
Merge Ministries. And this counselor was telling us that in these unprecedented, confusing, omni-shamble times, that what's needed is a Moses-type leadership. Moses-type leadership who led a group of two million through the wilderness. And as he was talking about a Moses-type leadership, I, I became very curious to look at the life of Moses once again. And if you will, would you stand with me for the honoring of God's word as we turn to Hebrews chapter 11? Because I found something very interested in the life of Moses that brought about a leadership style where he was at peace with himself because he had resolved some conflicts, some tensions in his own life. Starting with the 24th verse, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now that's huge. We'll get back to that. He chose to be mistreated. Hello, somebody. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than the treasures of Egypt. Because he was looking towards his reward. By faith, he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger, but he what? He what? He persevered. And don't underestimate what's said next. He persevered. And how did he persevere? Because he saw him. He saw him who was invisible. Father, I pray that these words would cut to our very heart. Father, I pray that the conflict and the tensions within us would be resolved as we take a look at the life of Moses and the resolve he brought to the tension in his own life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. If anyone had a reason to be uptight, it was Moses. God gave Moses. God called Moses. And isn't it great God calls people? God calls us to a task. And God called Moses to lead two million people out of Egypt into the promised land. But you know how that went. 
for almost 40 years. All the people ever do, did was complain, argue, and fight. Now, what was it, I asked. As I thought about Moses leading those people for those years, and all the complaining and arguing and fighting, what was it that brought Moses a peace of mind? And I started to look into the character of Moses, and I just want to go with one characteristic trait, and then we're going to go back to the Scripture. But the one characteristic trait that I saw in the life of Moses that the Scripture is very clear about is this. Now, Moses was very humble, a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. In the Bible Basic English Version, it says, now, Moses, now the man Moses was more gentle than any other man on earth. There is, and I probably have shared this book before because I've, and I, I've mentioned it recently, you've heard me because I'm rereading a book by Andrew Murray on humility. I would highly recommend the book. It's a hard read. It's a difficult read. But this time through reading it and thinking about the life of Moses, this is what Andrew Murray, through the book Humility, this was my takeaway. One of the characteristics that brings about a peace of mind is humility or gentleness. It brings an inward Tranquility, a quiet confidence, and just a peace of mind. And I was thinking to myself, could it just so be that this character trait of Moses, him being humble and gentle, was the character trait that enabled him to be that leader of those two million people for 40 years, complaining, arguing, and fighting. I believe it was a great character trait that got him through. When I got back to the book of Hebrews, what's the cause of tension? Conflict. And if you study the life of Moses, there was much conflict in his life in the early years that he had to bring about a resolve to rid himself of the tension. Four questions this morning. First, Moses answered the question, Who am I? One of the first things we need to deal with is who are we? We need to deal with our identity. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh, his daughter. Now, if, if you recall, or let me remind you, or let me just give you a little history. In Exodus chapter 2, his mother, Jochebed, she has a baby. And it was at the time when Pharaoh, because they were in Egypt, the Israelites were populating, Pharaoh was afraid they were going to be more powerful than them, 
ordered that every male child be killed. Jochebed hid Moses for three months until she couldn't hide him anymore. And you know what she did? She made a basket. Laid little baby Moses in a basket. Parents, let me tell you something. There's a time when you have to let your child go into the hands of the Lord. I'm just saying. Put baby Moses in a basket, covered it with tar, put a cover, and set it out in the Nile. You talk about faith, man. And it just so happened that Pharaoh's daughter came down to the Nile to bathe, and there sits a floating basket. She opens it up. There's a baby. You sound like more like a cat. And who runs over to Pharaoh's daughter but Moses' sister, Miriam, and says, Hey, do you need an Israelite to nurse that baby? Sure. And Jochebed gets to nurse her own child who she just gave up. And after that nursing period, Moses grew up in the palace of Pharaoh, being known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, a bona fide Egyptian. But he came to a point in life where he had an identity crisis. Can I continue to live a lie? There was this tension. There was this conflict. Because people saw him as an Egyptian. But he knew he was an Israelite. And he resolved that conflict. That tension. By refusing to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Listen. At some point in your life, you have to resolve the conflict of who you are. At the age of 16, I realized I was a sinner separated from God in need of a Savior. And I solved that tension and that conflict by giving my life to Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning... And you don't know Christ as your Savior. I pray you would resolve this conflict and know him as Savior and Lord. And if you're here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then I pray that we know who we are and that we would live as sons and daughters of the Lord Most High. You all know George Barna, Barna Research. Anybody read what he read this week online? Oh. George Barna. The Christian church is having such limited discernible impact on America culture. Tell us what you really think. The Christian church is having such limited discernible impact on America culture. It seems that Christians are more affected by society than society is affected by Christians. Wow. Why is it? 
perhaps because more than nine out of every ten born-again Christians fail to think like Jesus. And they think like the rest of the world. So they naturally behave like citizens of this world too. They are not the salt and the light Jesus commanded us to be because they lack personal commitment and depth and faith that makes them truly unchanged. It leads me to the next question that we need to resolve. Who do you want to be? Who do you want to be? My first couple, well, I should say my first year, knowing Christ, I struggled who I wanted to be because I still had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And on Sunday mornings, man, I was the greatest lover of God. But when I got back to school, man, I was the greatest lover of the worldly things. And I've always said it, man, it's like straddling a picket fence and it wasn't very comfortable. And finally, I made a decision. Moses, it says, he chose. Now, I need to stop right there because with every decision we make, it brings about a consequence. Did you know that? Every decision we make has a consequence. He chose. He made a decision. And with that decision of no longer living a lie and pretending to be an Egyptian, but now as an Israelite, because of that choice, he chose to be, come on, mistreated. Listen, God doesn't always reward our Christian life with pleasant things. With that decision, he chose to be mistreated along with God's people rather to enjoy the pleasure of sin. How many know that the pleasure of sin is only for a short time? Listen. It breaks my heart. Every time I hear of a fellow colleague, like we heard this week, the pastor of Hillsong, East Coast, Carl Lentz, have a moral failure and resigned the church. It hurts. The, the pleasure of sin, ask him, it was only short-lived. I say this all the time, but let me say it again. God is more interested in our character than he is our comfort. He's more interested in our holiness than our happiness. 
And listen, happiness, comfort will only last like pleasure for a short time. But God's character created in us, holiness created in us, we will carry on to eternity with him forever and forever. Who do I want to be? He made a decision. Third, he answered the question, what is important? What's important in my life? You know what this talks about? Priority. You know what I struggled with for the longest time? There can only be a one number one. Now that may keep you up tonight. But there can only be a one number one. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I tell you what, I, I believe what God is showing us in this pandemic period is we have made a lot of idols out of things we never thought were idols. The things that we thought were important all of a sudden are not important. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value. What it sounds like Paul's writing, writing, everything I considered is now rubbish for the sake of knowing Christ. He regarded the disgrace for the sake of Christ as greater value. Now, what did he have in Egypt? What treasures did he have in Egypt? Would you just think with me for a moment? Moses had everything we work for a lifetime. What did Moses have there in Egypt, in that palace? He had power. He had prestige. He had possessions. He had popularity. Things that people work a lifetime for. How many know popularity soon fades? Power soon goes away. Possessions, hey, let me say this. Because I don't want, there were many saints in the Bible who were very wealthy. Job, David, Abraham. But Jesus did give us a warning about possessions, didn't he? Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his power. A man's position does not consist in the abundance of his prestige or his possessions. Moses had it all. Everything we work for a lifetime. But he considered what God was asking him to do greater than all of that. 
and he solved the tension in his life. What's really important? And then he solved the tension, the conflict of how am I going to live? How am I going to live? By faith he left Egypt. Not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. I wrote just this week. We have to continue to persevere. Now is not the time to give up. Now, listen, many prayed and prayed and prayed for America, prayed and prayed. On the last Tuesday of month, I joined Judy and Ed on the, the, th the last month of Tuesday so for three months. I enjoyed that time. You know what my hope is? That we don't give it up because we need to persevere and even pray more. Just because the person you wanted didn't get in the office, that means you shouldn't give up on praying. My wrestling coach in high school used to have this sign on the wall, no pain, no gain. I used to hate that. But it's true, no pain, no gain. And I've thought about that sign many times in my Christian journey. No adversity, no advancement. No adversity, no advancement. No problems, no progress. He persevered because. Now, this kept me up for a little bit. One night at 3 o'clock, I was thinking, how do you see someone who's invisible? <laughs> he saw him who was invisible. How do you see someone who's invisible? If they're invisible, you can't see them. So how do you see someone is invisible? He saw and felt the effect of that one who's invisible. We serve a mighty God. We serve an awesome God. We may not be able to see him, but we can see him through the affairs and through the things that he does in our lives. And we persevere. And I pray that we will persevere because we see the one who is invisible. Moses was able to respond to the call because of his humility. But because he resolved the tension in his own life. The conflicts he resolved at an early age that brought about a peace of mind which enabled him. He realized who he was, what he wanted to be, what was important, and how he was going to live. And that's the leadership quality I saw.
in Moses, leading a people through the wilderness in an unprecedented time. You know what's so cool? Today, we are going to partake of the elements, the physical elements that remind us of the one who's in control. On this Sunday, as we partake at the Lord's table this morning, we're going to partake with some new members. In fact, those new members, I just, I, I'm going to ask to come right up here and sit up front. I think we only might have one in this service, but Dorish, would you come? Dorish is uh, born in Puerto Rico, a retired teacher and now part, teach part-time at the Christian Academy in Allenwood? You can sit right there. Oh, I'm sorry. Congratulations. Is Abigail here? Abigail will probably be at the second. Oh, we have more than just one. Dominique Trotti. Come on, Dominique. We always enjoy your violin playing. We have a, I believe we have nine young adults becoming members. Dominique. Her brother, Gregory. Someone say, Gregory, how old? Gregory's 18. Fulfills all the requirements of becoming a member. Uh, Matt Maneri will be becoming a member, but his sister, Gianna, who's here, is becoming a member. Gianna, come. Chanel. Chanel Dunn is not here. Eddie. Catherine, the twins are becoming members. Jimmy and Eddie, did you know that? Did they ask permission? <laughs> and, and Lori Idle is becoming a member. And along with these new members, uh, I'm going to ask also, uh, Abigail, would you come for a moment? Abby, come here for a minute. We announced this to a, a group on Sunday uh, on Sunday night, but um, <laughs> yeah. Why are you crying, girl? <laughs> Abby is sporting a, a ring <laughs> that were was put on her finger by the son of Mark and Edothia Schley. So she is officially engaged to Pastor Tim. You know what? In fact, I think maybe you need to social distance yourself from your mother-in-law. Sit over there and partake of communion. <laughs> there may be a lot of wisdom in that. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, boy. Peace, be still. All the turmoil, all the conflict, all the unrest. For a moment, be still. 
he persevered because he saw he who was invisible.